Make sure all seats are in the upright position and trays are put away before we take off. KR Media proudly presents Kingdom Rock Radio with your Bible teachers, Pastor Mark A. Stroud. I'm looking to what the Lord Jesus has in his hand for me. And Pastor Suniko Stroud. With God on their side, they were stronger than anybody. Get the latest downloads from our website. You can download today's message as an MP4, MP3, or simply download the Kingdom Rock app to your mobile devices from the iTunes Store or Android Market. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center in Bremen, Georgia. And remember, Jesus is Lord. Well, on today's broadcast, you're going to hear the message entitled, The Power of a Good Father. You know, in our society today, there is a shortage of good fathers. And godly fathers, well, let's just say we have our work cut out. We have the responsibility of training up the children in the way that they should go and producing a godly atmosphere that will bless our families. If you are a father, I believe that this message is for you. We need more fathers, more mentors, more men of God that will carry the torch for Jesus Christ. So stay tuned for this day's broadcast entitled The Power of a Good Father right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Joshua 24. And once again, I just want to say I'm thankful for all of our fathers and for what you have done and what you are doing. In this day and time, well, let me read this, verses 14 and 15. Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. It reads like this. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, rather whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood. When the word flood, there's also translated river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Look at verse 19. And Joshua said unto the people, ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. Verse 21. And the people said to Joshua, Nay, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Verse 22. And Joshua said to the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord, your unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord, our God, will we serve and his voice will we obey. Somebody say amen. amen. We want to speak from the subject today of a good dad. 
a good father. We're living in a society today, really, that there is a there is a shortage of good dads, of good fathers. There's a shortage of them. Not a shortage of baby daddies. But there is a shortage of good fathers, of good dads. And I'm going to give you some statistics in just a few uh, moments uh, to let you know how vital our role is as fathers, as dads. And also in our society, the culture has changed so that many fathers really, uh, how can I say this? Many fathers really crave what I would say for relevance. They want to feel like they matter. Want to feel like you matter. I was reminded even on the, the culture in maybe the 50s or the 40s, you look at some of the old television shows, when dad came in from work, the family was standing around the door waiting to greet dad with a kind word and mama or wife was there ready to give him a kiss. The dog even came over. Hey, Fido, how you doing? When dad came home. But nowadays when dad comes home, we're too busy texting or talking on the phone or watching television or doing something else to greet him when he comes in the door. Many fathers feel that, well, they really don't need me. I really don't have to be here. They got everything under control. Many fathers feel as though their role in the home is insignificant, to say the least. In many cases, it is a struggle for respect. And when, when, when many men don't feel like they are respected or they're honored, the natural emotion that fallen, the fallen nature of a man is to go toward anger. If he doesn't feel like he's respected, if he doesn't feel like he's honored, you won't really see depression. You'll maybe see anger well up out of him because he does not feel that he matters. He does not feel that he's respected. He does not feel that he is honored. So let me tell you now, fathers, you are respected, you are relevant, you are needed, and you are honored. Your role in the home is vital. It is vitally important. And a godly father is needed now more than ever. Let me give you some statistics. Now, this, these are from a website called fatherhood.org. Here's the first one. Children in father-absent homes are five times more likely to be poor. In 2002, 7.8% uh, of children in married couple families were living in poverty compared to 38.4% of children in female householder families. 78% of 
of children that were with both parents were in poverty, but 38%, rather 7.8, I'm sorry, 7.8 of children that were in married couple families experienced poverty, 7.8, 7.8. But those that were in single parent, single parent household where the mother was the head of the house, uh, they experienced poverty 38.4%, a lot higher. A study of 3,400 middle schoolers indicated that not living with both biological parents quadrupled the risk of having some form of affective disorder. Now, what's an affective disorder? That's some sort of a mental disorder really characterized by extreme emotions. Whether the child was angry, really aggressively angry, or, de or, or really aggressively depressed. Violent moods, mood swings one to another in affective disorder. So, in a study of 3,400 middle schoolers, they indicated that their chances of the child quadrupling their, their chance of having some sort of disorder you know, it, it quadrupled when the father was not present at home. A study of 109 juvenile offenders indicated that family structure significantly predicts delinquency. If the father's not there, there's a good chance that the father or some type of father influence, like grandfather or maybe an uncle or a cousin that comes in and really tries to father the child, if a father is not present, there's a very high chance of that child being delinquent in some form of way. A study of 13,986 women in prison showed that more than half grew up without their fathers. Let me say that again. Over of a study of 13,986 women in prison showed that more than half grew up without their fathers. 42% grew up in a single mother household and 16% live with neither parent. Fathers, you matter. An analysis of child abuse cases in a nationally uh, representative, representative uh, sample of 42 countries found that children from single-parent families are more likely to be victims of physical and sexual abuse than children who live with both biological parents. Compared to their peers living with both parents, children in single-parent homes had, children in single-parent homes had a 77% greater risk of being physically abused. 87, 87% uh, greater risk of being harmed by physical neglect. 165% greater risk of experiencing notable physical neglect. Overall, 120% greater risk of being endangered by some type of child abuse when the father is not home is not present in the home. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school 
I'm giving you some real statistics, some real numbers. When the father is not there. Here again, it may not always be the biological father, but there could be an influence of the grandfather or of a cousin or a pastor, a youth worker who is trying to really father or mentor the child. Are you with me? When there is an absence of that male figure, men, you do matter. You do matter. Fathers, you do matter. Godly fathers, you are needed. You matter. And here again, there's an attack of the enemy to try to tell you that you don't matter. Even if you watch some uh, shows on some of the popular kids networks, when there is a family dynamic, the father looks like an idiot. When the mother is running the show. The father is often disrespected and made to look like a fool. That is a plot, plan, or ploy of the adversary to make fathers vacate the home. You're not needed. Go. She's smart enough. She can make enough money. Go. Leave. Why? Because... Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Fatherless children are more likely to go into the system, criminal system, be juvenile offenders. And here's the last one. Half of all children with highly, listen, half of all children with highly involved fathers in two-parent families reported getting mostly A's through 12th grade compared to 35.2% of children of non-resident fathers. That's huge. You make a difference. Don't let the devil tell you anything else. You make a difference in the household. And I pray you heard that. Joshua 24, and so the Lord says here where Joshua, well, Joshua is saying here in verse 15, very powerful verse. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here's a man, a father standing up and he's speaking for his household. Now, here's a problem in this culture here as it is really in today. If you take a look again at verse 15, it says, if it seemed good for you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, that is other side of the river. Remember, the children of Israel crossed over the river Jordan coming into the promised land. Joshua is saying, you choose whether you want to serve God or not, whether you want to serve the gods that were there basically in Egypt. You want to serve those gods that were in Egypt, those gods that promised pleasure, those really seductive gods that promised you um, flesh and things that would gratify, gratify your body. You choose who you're going to serve. Now, who is he talking here to? He's talking to the people of God. Yes, but primarily he's speaking to the men, to the heads of the households. 
Choose who you're going to serve, men. Choose who you're going to serve, fathers. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the gods that your fathers served back there in Egypt? Those gods that your father ran after? What are the sins of your fathers? Now, it is, it is a very sad case at times, but many children will not know your father, won't know the sins of your fathers what they were prone to. Are you hearing? Joshua said, will you serve those gods that your fathers served? Will you serve the God of alcoholism or will you serve the God of, of, of uh, promiscuousness? You know, what will you serve their gods of lying or cheating or gambling Will you serve their gods? Are you going to try to go after their way? He said, or are you going to try to serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're dwelling right now? The gods of the Amorites. The gods of the, the Amorites, their promise, prosperity, peace, and, and fertility, just a whole lot of things. And, and the, the worshipers would go into the, to the temple or they would buy the Amorite God on the street, a little figurine, and they take that thing to their house and they would worship that little God. They make a little shrine and worship uh, that God of the Amorites in, in their home. The father, God almighty, the God of the angel armies would see this, see their people, see his people worshiping other gods. And he's sending Joshua with this message. He's saying to the heads of the household, to the families, to the fathers, choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to go after the gods of your fathers or are you going to go after the gods in this land? Now, what's the God in this land right now? Money. Money. Things. Stuff. Will you allow that to rule your life or will you allow God to rule your life? He said, choose who you will serve. Now, Joshua was under the same type of influence as these other men, as these other uh, heads of households. But he chose to serve God. He chose to serve the Lord. The Lord Jehovah would be his portion. And he said he made a statement. He made a statement that before others would really cause him to chill and shake. He says, as for me and my house. I'm speaking for my house. I'm speaking for my wife. I'm speaking for my children. I'm speaking for my servants, all those that live in my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now that speaks of a certain order that has been established. But understand that order and commitment always starts from the head first and then it goes down through the body. So the head goes, the body will follow. So many cases in scripture, um, so many cases in scripture where the, the father of the household committed some type of crime, as in the case there, um, in the book of Matthew, I believe, uh, the, maybe the 18th chapter or 25th chapter, uh, when a servant owed the king a whole lot of money and couldn't pay it back. You remember that? He owed him a whole lot of money. He could not 
pay it back. And so the king forgave him and he goes out and he finds a servant that owed him money, picked him up, he choked him. Everybody heard about it, told the king. King called him back in there and said, you should have forgiven him like I forgave you. And he told him, sell him and his family, his wife and his children, and uh, pay, let, to let payment be made for the debt. Uh, by the same uh, token, Achan and his family, uh, they're in the book of Exodus, I believe. Was it Exodus? We can find it. Praise the Lord. Achan and his family, or Numbers, and his family, when they went out to fight the battle of Jericho, Achan decided that he would take some of the stuff that God said uh, that the people shouldn't take. Well, he took it and he hid the stuff in his house. He hid it under under his tent. Joshua and the people of God found out about that. And what happened? Achan died and his wife and his children too. So many cases in scripture. And the same token, uh, when Daniel was in the lion's den, uh, those men that put him there falsely. Well, when the king came the next day, when Daniel was still alive, he pulled Daniel out of that place. And he commanded that the men that um, devised that plot, that created that plot, that they be killed and their wives and their children. So the head goes, so does the body. By the same case, the same case was also with Kurik and his family that uprose against Moses, started an uproar against Moses and Aaron. When the earth opened up and swallowed them, it wasn't just Kurik, but it was his wife and his children. You'll find that in several cases in scripture. So men, husbands, fathers, you do matter. So when Joshua stands up and he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was setting a course he was saying, I deny and defy the gods of the Amorites of the present day system or and also I defy the gods that my father served. I will not fall into the same trap of my father, uh, womanizing or lying or cheating or gambling or drinking. I will not fall into their same trap. I will serve the Lord. All these things are against Joshua, just like it is the people, but he is standing firm, strong in his commitment and his faith toward God. Amen. So the head goes, so does the body. You notice also in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve were there um, in the garden, nothing happened when Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. Not a thing changed. But when the head of a household ate of the forbidden fruit. One after that moment happened. Everything changed. Not only was he the head of the household that caused change, but he agreed in agreement. They both man and his wife, the husband and the, the mother, not, not just yet, but the husband and wife, the man and the woman, when they agreed together to receive this forbidden fruit, they agreed not only to receive it, but they agreed also to cast God out of the relationship. It does matter. So I'm telling you men today, you say, well, they don't really respect me. 
or I have not done everything correctly. I've not been a perfect father. Yes, that's true. I would agree with you. You've not been a perfect father. Neither have I been a perfect father. But they have not been perfect children either. <laughs> Neither has you had a perfect wife. As a matter of fact, I would dare to say, if you were a perfect father, the children would be all messed up. Why? Because they would always be trying to work up to a standard that they could not meet. The standard would be so high. You never made a mistake. How could they ever learn and grow and develop if you never made a mistake? If you never made a mistake, how would they learn to also to apologize when you apologize for your mistakes when you get it right? Your children will learn by your example. Don't fall into the trap of of trying to be perfect. Just be godly. Are you with me? Now, let me give you some keys. There are I have what's called God's plan for husbands, rather for fathers. And you need to hear this. It's about 15 things that I know that the Lord has given me to give to you today. So you need to hear them. Many of us did not grow up with our fathers at home. So we have no clue how to be a father. Many of us grew up. If the father was not there, we may have gotten our definition of fatherhood from the television. But if there was not a father there and if you were not trained in how to do it, or if you didn't have a quote unquote good father, then we're mostly doing things by trial and error. But there are 15, 15 things here that you need to see. We call it God's plan or the God plan that will help you uh, to be a better father. Now, these things are for a lifetime. You don't stop being a father when the child reaches 18. Being a father is a lifetime commitment. So you have a lifetime to get it right. That's good news. God plan. Now, I have written these things out. We've typed them out and you'll be receiving these later. So you need to just listen. Okay. There are four categories, the G, D, the P and the L. We put in the other letters. God plan. The G. First thing a father should do is guard. Now, these may not necessarily be in any particular order, but they're all there. It's like that ragu, that ragu sauce. It's in there. Okay. First thing, guard. That is defend your family. You are to guard. You are to defend your family from invaders, both spiritually and naturally. You have to stand as the watchman. You must defend your families guard secondly guide guide your family into true purpose it is the father especially in bible times it is the father that named the child meaning it was the father that affirmed the child's identity who you are what god has called you to do it is a father that speaks prophetically over the child Speaking encouragement and words of wisdom, laying hands on the child. Now we're going to get to this. One of the another part of this is in the P's is uh, um, being a priest. Now let me tell you this, fathers. The pastor does have his role. 
I'm here to help you, to equip you, and to do what God called you to do. But God holds you responsible for being the priest of your home. He holds you responsible for being the priest over your home. As pastor, I can pray over you and help you, but you're the priest. When you lay hands on your family, things will happen. In the sincerity of your heart, when you speak to the Lord on behalf of your wife and your children, you're going to see things happen. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something, wives. If the only scripture your husband knows is half of John 3:16, if all he knows is for God so loved and that's it, that's all the Bible that he knows, you encourage him in that. Do not berate him. How many women have I known? How many wives have I known to say that, that, uh, I saw one, talked to one the other day, the evangelist that said, well, my husband doesn't know, doesn't know the Bible like, like I know. And he's just this and he's just that. She talked him down lower than the dirt on the ground because he couldn't speak in tongues. He couldn't read the Bible. He couldn't pray like her. Don't you understand that God has still given that man authority and power in that house? And if you cut him down, you will cut your own self down. But if you will honor him, if you will honor that man, if you will honor the head of the household, you will find God honoring you and it will release blessings. The blessing of God will come into the home. Praise Jesus. Fathers, you're called to guide the family into true purpose. You must name your children. They may already have names. Great. Name indicates who they are. It, it, it indicates identity. What do you see coming out of them? What do you see happening in their lives? Name the child. Tell them that they will be great and that they will do great things. Don't let someone else outside tell your child that. Don't let someone outside tell your daughters that they're beautiful. You tell your daughters that they're beautiful. You tell your, your sons that they are strong and you show them honor. You are father. Are you hearing? Third thing, govern. God has called the father to govern. That is to maintain a godly atmosphere in his home. Fourth thing, God has called the father to grow. You must thrive independently. You must thrive or you must grow. You must continue to slay your giants. To slay your giants and to move forward mentally, physically, emotionally, and definitely spiritually. You must continue to grow as a father. In the D section, you have to demonstrate. Demonstrate the character of Christ for your family. All the other preachers in the world may be rotten, but you better be the best preacher you can for your family. Demonstrate the character of Christ for your family. He's also called you to discipline, not only to discipline your children, but the father must first receive correction himself. You have to be open for correction yourself. And what corrects? God corrects, of course, but it's also the truth that corrects. 
You have to be open to hear the truth no matter what the source is. If the truth comes up from your three-year-old, hear truth. Daddy, that was wrong. Then receive it. I was wrong. You must be willing to hear truth. You must be willing to to receive correction, whatever source the Lord sends it. You must be willing to receive it yourself. If you're not willing to receive correction, then how can you give correction? Are you hearing? You've got to be willing to say, I'm sorry when we've done something wrong. Are you hearing? Also, the third thing under D is determined. You must be determined. Determined to be faithful to Christ, faithful to your spouse, and faithful over your children. You've got to be determined. You've got to be determined. Don't let the world push you away. P, you've got to pray. Pray without ceasing. Fervent prayers before the Lord. I didn't say you had to pray for an hour every day. But you've got to pray because there are some things you are big and strong. You are knowledgeable and you have a lot of wealth. But there are some things that you cannot do. There are some burdens that you will not be able to remove from your wife physically. You're going to have to intercede for them. Please don't have anyone else that is a greater intercessor or pray warrior over your family more than you. You are called to intercede and to pray for and to stand in the gap and to stand as a watchman over your father, or rather over your family. You are the father. Are you hearing? We've got to provide. That is provide daily bread and necessities. You say, well, I don't have anything. But understand, as father, you have a connection with the divine. You can talk to God. You can seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the Lord will add the things unto you. Hallelujah. There are things. Let me give you one case. Um, my wife's office was hot. Praise the Lord. And I didn't know how to fix the air conditioning unit. I looked around at the thing. I did not know how to do it. And I didn't have the money to pay anybody either. But I sought the Lord and the Lord sent a man to fix the thing. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You may not have it in your hands, but you know that the Lord does. And if you seek the face of Jesus, he will answer. He will answer. He's called you also to ponder. That is to think before you act and speak. Let me tell you now, one of the biggest attacks that will happen with you men will happen with us as fathers. One of the biggest attacks will occur right outside of the front door. I'm not sure if you experienced this or not, so let me just tell you now. Things may be fine at work, fine on the way home, but when you hit the front door, your emotions can shift and you go in angry. He was fine on the phone. What happened? Because there are demonic powers that wait at the front door. Wait for you to enter in so that you can bring in another spirit into the house. The house was peaceful until daddy got home. Everything was fine until daddy came in. 
What, what happened? Why is daddy angry? Because he was overwhelmed at the front door. Are we seeking God for the father, for daddy? Are we praying for him? If daddy flies into a rage, let's pray. Because that's not him. That's something that's on him. And that thing is here illegally. Let's pray for and defend daddy. There are more factors than you'll ever see or know or realize. Especially when you are a godly father. Most fathers deal with regret. Most fathers deal with unforgiveness. Not necessarily that they're not forgiving others, but it's hard to forgive yourself. Regretting things, maybe I didn't provide enough or battle the demons come of low self-esteem. You're not able to provide them, your wife and your children with the things that you want them to have. You know they deserve better and why can't you give it to them? And so all these things are latching against the man, are attacking the man. And here again, the default position for a man is anger. When I see I can't give you, I can't help you, this and that and the other, anger rises up. And then anger is good once it's directed in the right place toward the adversary and not toward the family. So fathers, I would tell you before you enter the door, check yourself and say, Lord, help me to exemplify the character of Jesus Christ. Anoint me. Anoint me to bring love to my family. I pray you've heard that. So the Lord's called you to ponder. That is to think before you speak. He's called you to participate. That is to be active in your family's lives, your children and your wife, to participate. I don't care how tired you are. Get up and go see about them. Get up and go see about them. Participate in their lives. Ask them about their day. Hallelujah. Again, he's called you to be the priest. The priest is to prepare the people to see the Lord. Your job is to prepare your family to see the Lord, to stand before him in peace. Now you give the word whether they receive it is on their part. Much like I am here today. I'm here to give it to you the best way I can. God help me. Are you understanding? He's called you to be the priest to prepare the people to see the Lord, to prepare the people to live out their destiny in Christ. We're getting down to our final four things in the L. He's called you to love. Love them. Remember, God the Father so loved that he gave. Love. That's an incredible love that gives of itself. That is incredible love that is not selfish. He's called us also to laugh. It's good to laugh. Fathers, when you laugh, you bring an ease in the home. Your laughter breaks demonic strongholds in your house. When you laugh, when you laugh with your children, when you laugh with your wife, when you laugh, that tells the family everything is okay. When the father laughs. But the problem comes in when there is no laughter coming from dad. If dad is always serious, something is wrong. 
you have to laugh. You have to also lead by example. Many fathers send their families to church. They stay at home and watch football game. Don't send your family. Lead your family. Lead your family. And last, last L is to never, never, never leave. Never leave your family. Yes, the enemy is going to make it difficult. He's going to make it hard. But never leave them. Never leave them defenseless. Never leave them helpless. Well, they've got all the money and she's smart and the children doing well. You are valuable in your home. Just you being there when you are there brings an ease to the house. When you were there during a lightning storm, when you were there in the nighttime hours, when you are there, just you being there brings a strength in the house. Why? Because you hold an authority and power that God has given unto you. Don't forsake your office. Don't forsake the office of a father. And I pray that you'll say, as Joshua says, and as I say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I pray for the word of God today. We're done in Jesus mighty name. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.